Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, Handling an Inherited Audience. Before we go on, a quick note, we don't do them often, but we are doing an effective communications conference on August 11th in Chicago. So if you're interested in learning how to communicate more effectively, please consider joining us in Chicago on August 11th. More details are on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, folks, let's get on with the show. talk about presentations, we often make the assumption that we're the only ones talking, right? We walk into the room, mm-hmm. we're at the head of the table, everybody sits down, we start our presentation, right. and we're done. Um, right. Unfortunately, though, that's not always the case, and we're one of a number of speakers. You know, let's say it's you know a day-long conference on a management offsite. Not that we've ever been involved in anything like that. Nah. <laughs> um, but, there's, but there's been no ground rule set, right? There's been no introductions, none of that stuff. Um, other speakers have come before us, and there have been different approaches in terms of handling questions. Uh, some people say, hold them to the end. Some people, you know, right, give me right. a question anytime you want it. Uh, right. Timing is different. Slides, introductions, handing off yep. to the next speaker. None of these ground rules have been set. And so we've seen many professionals fall into the trap of kind of accepting an audience that hasn't been appropriately prepared, right? And today we're going to talk about how to deliver effectively when you inherit such an audience. Yeah. And you know, what's funny about it is if you, if you think about yourself as a presenter, what we have probably, we've aided and abetted this a little bit, I think, and, or I have, because, because we never said, look, this applies all the time. And if you think of yourself as, um, you're not just presenting and then doing admin on the front and back end. That admin is part of your presentation and it makes it a whole piece, right? And so whether you're presenting as one or 50, you've still got all of these things to do. You've got to welcome people. You've got to have a purpose. You, you know, you've got to give some agenda. If it's only an hour long and your talk is an hour, well, that difference and so on. And, and I, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, would we do a cast like this? I said, no, because we'd cover that. But, but actually, I've seen it done recently poorly. And I thought, oh, gosh, I just, you know, we're not being clear enough regarding guidance to speakers. And, uh, and you know, I, I tell people at conferences that, that I, I hate that part of my job speaking. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather be the spotlight than be in the spotlight. And yet I, I get great joy out of helping people get better at it because you and I have talked about it's one of those places where we can have a competitive advantage, right? Imagine there are six speakers. Um, this actually happened to me once in Florida where everybody was 45 minutes behind and I was supposed to talk for an hour and now I had like 15 minutes left. And I said, look, we're 45 minutes behind. How about I do my talk in 15 minutes and we catch up? And there were 600 people in the room and they went nuts, right? <laughs> and, and and yet I still did some of the, the basic housekeeping stuff. I, I It looks so good when you set yourself apart by being professional and being highly effective in this. So, so yeah, I think this is a, a good one to do. It's one of those things that adds shoulders, if you will, to the idea of being a great presenter. So yeah, we've got, we've, I'm sorry, I rambled there a little bit. We've got five points. Number one, take time to prepare without commentary when you're doing all of your logistical and admin stuff. Don't talk to the audience. Okay. Number two, assume the power position. We've talked about this before, but this uh, this is the most likely time you, people make a mistake is when they're part of an inherited audience, when they're a num- a, one in a string of speakers and they think they can wander around or they can, they can chit-chat with somebody else, whatever. 
Number three, introduce your purpose, just like we recommend always. Number four, briefly outline what you're going to do, but be brief about it, uh, particularly if you only have an hour. And then number five, we do ground rules in the form of what we call let's agree. And we're going to cover three points, how long you'll talk, who will follow you, and how you're going to handle questions. This is an abbreviated version of welcome purpose agenda ground rules, and it sets the audience up to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it does set us apart from other presenters. Good. Okay. So let's get into our our first point. And this addresses the issue where you're the second or third speaker. You've got to set up your, you got to hook up your laptop. You got to set up your Mm -hmm. slides. You might have some flip charts, whatever it is, you got to prepare. And what I found really useful, and I think it really sets the tone of being relaxed and comfortable with the audience is as you're doing that, you just kind of chit chat with the audience, tell them what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Ask them about, you know, say, Hey, how about the, how about the Lakers and yeah. how they're doing the playoffs, uh, that kind of stuff. You, you agree? That's pretty effective. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. You caught me there. I was like, okay, he's going to say, yeah, this is dumb and wrong and so on. And look, uh, uh, don't, don't feel alone. That is the biggest mistake that most presenters make whether we're inheriting an audience or not, which is giving up your opening. Too many of us do things right before our talk starts, which basically ruin any chance for that strong first impression. Like you say, we describe what we're doing to get ready, right? Look, (laughs) folks, no need for that, really. Everybody can see what we're doing. And you know what? They can tell by the look on our face when we say, hey, just got a couple of settings to change on our laptop. We look at our laptop assuming, of course, that the screen of our laptop is not projected in, in IMAX style in front of everybody, if that we haven't made that mistake, but we're messing with our laptop, they can tell by the tension in the facial muscles on our own facial muscles whether or not we're having a problem during setup. You don't need to tell them everything's fine because they know whether it is or isn't based on your facial expression. We sort of start our talk right, but not really because we're distracted by the activity of putting on microphones. Really, really bad to start your talk early while you're doing other things because as we've said before, you've got to own your opening. Uh, We're plugging in our laptop. We're getting our laptop set up so we can see it. We're making sure we have the right slides up, blah, 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 blah. Look, folks, there's nothing wrong with preparing in silence. Talking while we're preparing means we're doing two things at once and thereby we're doing and thereby doing both less well than we could if we did one at a time. Starting our talk while we're preparing is actually a significant negative to our first impression. And on the other hand, here's the thing that may surprise you because you may feel compelled to do this if you don't do it if you don't to talk while you're preparing if you don't know this which is being quiet during our preparation actually sends a message of confidence in fact i saw a presenter once that started to talk and there was a scratchiness that was a, clearly an audio problem and he stopped on stage and uh, someone quickly came from the side to help with his microphone and he looked at the audience and he held up a finger and he smiled but he didn't say anything And essentially at that moment, he says, I'm going to remain quiet. I'm going to leave the verbal energy that I'm going to put out when I start my talk, when I get to the center of the stage, when I plant my feet in the power position, I know that he was going to do this because I had coached him. He said, I'm not going to fritter that away by making a big deal out of what is a minor technical glitch. Talking before we begin, which is to say before we get to the power position and introduce our our talk, it indicates nervousness. And, and really what it indicates, I think, is fear of silence. And people who are truly confident are not afraid of silence. 
So, regardless of how enticing it feels to speak while we're preparing, the key is to remain silent when we do so. No matter what, staying silent as we prepare essentially increases our impact once we begin, makes our introduction more clear, more crisp, and and frankly, it adds a little bit of drama to our talk, which helps us be persuasive. And if you're one of a number of speakers, a little bit of drama during the day, I'm not talking about, you know, teen drama. I'm just talking about dramatic pauses and so on adds to our overall effectiveness and the impression of us as a professional. Sure. So don't talk, just quietly prepare and then yeah, well, in talking about having a little bit of drama at the beginning, as well as increasing our impact of the beginning, um, the power position has got to be the second most likely mistake that folks make when they start talking and taking over a presentation from another speaker, right? Yeah. They, they wander around, they're, they're doing presentation. Yep. Now, they didn't listen to the first advice, and they're talking, and then all of a sudden, it begins, and they're not in the power position. And yeah. it's just a it's just a bad start. Yeah, I think I think people look, I, I understand it. You know, again, this is a case where managers have not been trained, right? Uh, you go to an NBA program, they don't really give you all that great speaking skills. There are some great programs for speaking skills. Dale Carnegie's um I want to say it's tip, but I don't think that's right. Um, the presentation, uh, program that they offer is very, very good. Uh, and of course, Toastmasters is very, very good as well, but people just aren't taught this. And so we do what we think might work. And if we see five other people doing it, we're going to do it that way. Most people think we're supposed to get a running start at a talk. It's more casual. Folks, when you're up on stage, you don't need to try to be casual. In fact, it's almost better to take a step toward dramatic and distance and yet still know what our audience wants rather than just trying to be casual with the audience. Because the audience wants, if you're going to have 50 people staring at you, listening to you, you have their attention in a general way as a matter of fiat because you've been authorized to speak to them. They expect you to step up and earn it. If you're having a one-on-one conversation with your buddy, you can slip a little bit and maybe you can, you can, um, you know, throw in a colloquialism or joke around a little bit. Not when you've got 50 or a hundred people listening or a thousand or, or 10,000 for that matter. Audiences not only want us to be just persuasive, and that comes from content and confidence and good communication skills. They also want us to appear persuasive, right? And that means Standing in the power position every single time. At the beginning of any talk, finding out where the power position is and and when your, your, your talk does not start until you're standing in the power position. Now, look, depending upon the room you're in, there are a number of different definitions of the power position. In rare occasions, this is a mandatory tools sort of core guidance. In rare occasions, the power position is a podium. And frankly, there are a lot of managers who have told me, Mark, uh, I was told that we're all going to present from the podium. You know, I got to tell you, when you're told that as one of a series, if you've inherited an audience or you're talking at 10 in the morning and somebody started and somebody you're going to hand it off to somebody else, you know, challenge that and say, look, would you mind if I didn't? I think the audience will do better if I wander around a little bit. When you're standing behind a podium, you're given a speech and then you better have a speech written and speech writing is not for the faint of heart. It is amazing how much a podium robs us of our ability to communicate with other human beings. Remember, 
people born blind at birth. At birth, they're blind. They'll never see. They're ne- they'll never be sighted. Still gesture. And a podium takes away so much of your ability to gesture. So rarely is it a podium, although there are rare cases where it is true. In most cases with a, lar- with a large audience, the power position is in the middle of the room in front of the audience. It's important enough to know where it is that standing on it overrides, at least in the first moment, because you don't have to present the entire time from the power position. You simply start and end there, okay? But it's important enough to stand on it that it overrides any need we have to see our laptop at that moment. And surely we know what we're supposed to say in the first 30 seconds without our laptop. It totally overrides wandering around. Wandering around doesn't send a message of, of energy, by the way. It sends a message of uncertainty, believe it or not. Now, choreographed, wandering around where you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, that's different. But most people don't. They just wander around as if they're chatting with the audience. You better be really good if you just think you can chat with an audience. So get in the power position, plant your feet firmly. Don't move your feet and start by saying hello or welcome. I'm Mark. And what I'm going to talk about today is X. Good. Well, good. I'm glad you said and what I'm going to talk about. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Because this this is a, a real pet peeve of mine, which is people start talking. Sometimes they introduce their their purpose. Now we're talking about here, introducing your purpose. Some people right. do it while they're wandering around setting up, but they never do it quite clearly and distinctly, or they assume that the agenda um, adequately covers their purpose, and it Ugh. almost never does. Um, it never does, yeah. And, and how many times do we not have agendas? But uh, that's for another podcast. Um, <laughs> and they don't adequately address and introduce their purpose. And everybody's left in the audience just wondering what what are we doing? I don't have a framework for yeah. for listening to this this talk. Yeah. It really is metadata, right? And I haven't figured out yet, frankly, in, in putting together a whole string of planned podcasts on presenting and then and being offering it as a as a a series that'll make it easy for people to to come and get it on the on the on the site. It, it's it's um I don't really know how to address metadata in a way that is true true to the manager tools principle of you know, we want behavable. We want uh, uh, actionable recommendations. But but really, it's the old saying of, uh, and we'll talk about, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, but, but, but we've got to tell people what our purpose is. They've got to understand where we're headed. When we, in, in the interview series, when we talk about a significant accomplishment answer, we often say the first sentence with as few commas as possible should essentially describe the end result. Uh, one of my most significant achievements was when I achieved X, not when I did X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and therefore got to X. It's just one of my most significant accomplishments when I did, I achieved this period. And by knowing the ending, knowing the purpose, it's easy for the, for the audience to hang our content underneath it without understanding the purpose. From from our point of view, the audience struggles to put in context, and so uh, put in context our comments. And so this is a contextual reference point to start with the purpose, and it is also very, very important, essentially metadata. So look, after you assume the power position, we might say something that would sound like this. My purpose in my hour here today is to address our weakness in the South America uh, market and make a bold recommendation for our next effort to remedy this problem. Or another example would be, my purpose today is to share a timeline for our process improvement rollout for this new business development process this meeting is about today. Look, it doesn't have to be fancy, but we do need to start with what our intent is. We do need to start with what the key point is we're trying to get across. Otherwise, they just won't have that guiding star during the presentation. They won't know 
why we're saying what we're saying. And don't think that you're good enough as a speaker to tell a story in such a way that you're going to have a dramatic ending and everybody's going to go, aha, because when you do that, unless you're a brilliant presenter, and look, folks, no offense, neither you nor I are, unless if you're not that good, what ends up happening is the moment you give your dramatic aha moment, the audience then, in the next 30 seconds to a minute, attempts to go back through and re-listen in their head to the tape they still have, the short-term memory tape they have, of everything you said to try to figure out how everything you said fits into the dramatic moment. Don't make them do that. Make clear what your purpose is, and then they'll know how to fit everything in as they go along. Good. Well, part of making your purpose clear is, is frankly, outlined briefly at the beginning of your presentation. And it's not like we ever do that, right? In terms of provide an outline of what we're going to talk about, but (laughs) (laughs) just don't follow our example, actually do it, right? Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we think when we're part of a a string of presenters, we somehow, and I, I, you know, we missed this in terms of the way we presented this, some of this speaking stuff initially, presenting stuff initially, somehow people think they don't have to follow the general speaking conventions. And that's just not true. So we, we skip our outline along with our, with, with delivering our purpose in the beginning. We just assume it's part of everybody will understand where we fit in the agenda and so on. But frankly, if you're in an audience all day for sitting in an audience, whether it's on, in, in banquet chairs or in theater chairs or whatever, gosh, you're, you're always, you're always wanting touch points back, right? Yeah, it goes, it goes to that old saying, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And it's just one of those old bits of common wisdom that is actually dead on accurate. Yeah, it really, it, it, it's, um, I learned in the army, I don't know about you, I learned in the army and I remember thinking, oh, this is an army thing. And then I got out and realized whether it's an army thing or not, nobody else is doing it, but man, audiences sure like it. And to some degree, that's part of being a professional is is paying attention to the results we get and asking ourselves, is that better? And if I get a better result and the costs don't improve, costs don't increase, then I'm going to do that more. And maybe next time I try something completely different uh, and and I get better results again. And so, okay. And it's a little bit of an experiment. Uh, that's part of innovation. You can make innovation in small bits along the way in everything you do. You can set a standard. Um, you and I have talked about this a lot with the podcast. Let's set a standard. Let's make sure that this meets needs. And then let's say, can we do something a little bit different, a little bit better? But this is one of those things that I'm never, ever giving up. It's just like an essay in college English, introductory paragraph, three body paragraphs, conclusion paragraph, which essentially restates whatever we just said in the introductory paragraph. It really helps the audience ready themselves. It helps our credibility that we've thought through. We're not just talking, but we have an outline and the outline is justified based on, on reason and emotion and purpose and context and so on. And it, look, it helps the audience know where they are relative to time. And, and if we say we're going to talk for an hour and we're going to cover three points and we're halfway through and we're in the middle of our second point, the audience's perception of our credibility improves because we're doing what we said we were going to do. Too many speakers think they can get away with, well, I don't want to tell them the timeline because then if I'm off, it'll be wrong. Well, okay. Yeah, fine. So prepare, rehearse so that you know what you're going to say. You know how long it's going to take you so that you can actually win credibility. Don't use the lack of preparation as an excuse not to provide purpose and a brief overview of what you're going to talk about. Well, finally, we got some housekeeping to do here. If it's our meeting all day, sure. Like we get to run the agenda. We get to set the ground rules. We get to do well, we hope, of- right? We hope, we hope people are doing that. Right. right. That, uh, yeah. Right. But if we're in the middle of a string of presenters, 
we won't know whether the host or the first presenter has done any of their due diligence in the beginning by setting ground rules and doing those things right. we just talked Actually, about. we probably do know that they didn't, they right? Probably, I mean, yeah, they won't. Yeah. So we need that stuff. They didn't right. do it. It's not like we're going to go through an introduction exercise in the middle of yeah. the day. Yeah. So what do we do? That, yeah. Yeah. And hey, hey, look, by the way, think about it this way. Ask during planning when you're asked first to talk. Okay, great. I'm talking at two o'clock. Can you tell me how the start of the day is going to go? What's going to be covered in terms of ground rules and so on? And I suspect you'll get a blank stare or you'll get something like, oh, yeah, we'll cover all that stuff. But then you look at the agenda and you won't see it on there and you realize, no, it's not going to be done. Oh, well, okay. It's simple. The way we accomplish this housekeeping without appearing to change the ground rules that may already be set. Look, you, you have an opportunity to slightly change things a little bit. First of all, because probably nobody else is doing anything in this regard. They're just, they feel like they're just bobbing along in a stream, which is disrespectful to the audience. I'm talking about presenters bobbing along in a stream of presenters, which again is disrespectful to the audience, but also because you have to ask yourself, what's the best way for the audience to learn about what I'm going to talk about? Not, I have to be completely deferential to the string of present presenters I'm in. What, if I'm responsible for my one hour or my 30 minutes, what can I do to maximize that? And yet at the same time, you don't want to shame the host for not setting ground rules. And so what we do is we recommend the phrase, let's agree. And it sends a message that you're using a bit of your power that you're standing in front of the room. And they know that you have, you've been given some short term authority over them in terms of as a credible speaker. And yet at the same time, you're saying, let's agree, which is of course shortened for let us agree. And what you're doing is you're saying, let's collaborate briefly or, or here, I'm going to assume we are in a collaborative move and I'm going to, I'm going to make some recommendations regarding how we're going to move forward. Look, you may not be able to do welcome purpose agenda ground rules. Uh, if you only have an hour, of course you can't. But, th but that stuff is still important. So what we need to do is cover it without giving it as full a treatment as we would if the entire day or the entire morning or whatever was our agenda. And th there are three items that we've totally got to cover to get our audience set settled, essentially, essentially, you know, a breath and say, okay, now you can, you can, you can begin giving me the data that goes with your purpose and agenda. And that's the, how long will you talk, who will follow and, you know, how you'll handle questions. Yeah. Well, how, how long you'll talk, that sounds pretty simple. How hard could that be? Yeah, but okay. You know, it would be easy if we knew that the host had always had visible an agenda that attendees could refer to. But, you know, you, there are people who go to all day things and say, yeah, we'll have five speakers. And they don't tell you whether one is six hours and three or 30 minutes, right? That's actually pretty rare. Or I know, I know people who say, look, let's agree on our agenda, but let's not publish it because if we get behind, then we, <laughs> we don't, don't want embarrass everyone ourselves, to know. Right. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's, you know, there are no secrets. They know. <laughs> Believe me, when we're behind, the audience knows. They're saying, I didn't think this guy would be talking this long. He's really rambling and we're not asking any questions. Oh my gosh. So look, it, we have to provide our audience with some sense of boundaries. Okay. The first boundary an audience wants. Believe it or not, it's not rude or disrespectful. The first boundary is, when is this guy going to be done? So we just tell them how long we're going to be talking. And it sounds like, hey, I have an hour with you today, or I'll be done at 11. Simple. I like the I'll be done at 11. I, I just, that sounds good to me. And yeah, if somebody takes 10 minutes of your time, you can say, I, not I have an hour, right? If you're starting at 10 and you're supposed to finish at 11, say I have an hour and I'll be done within an hour. But if you start at 10, 10, it's really not reassuring to people if there is an agenda that you say, I have an hour. Rather say, I'll be done at 11. 
You're yeah. right. I just I like the the, the sound. It, it sounds like a commitment. I'm going to be done at eleven. Yeah. I'm respectful of your time, and I'm committing to you. I'm going to be done at eleven. Just sounds. Um, I always appreciate that in presenters. Yeah, the, the example I used in Florida, I mentioned earlier in this cast. I, I um, there was a person who came up to me afterwards. I was speaking late in the morning, and and I had to make up you know an hour worth of time with 600 people in a gigantic hotel ballroom in Orlando. And one of the people who spoke before me came up and says, I didn't appreciate what you did. I said, what? Getting everybody back on track on time so that all the afternoon speakers would start on time. And by then the organizer had been telling everybody, hey, you have to get done when we say you're going to get done. But of course, nobody was prepared. Nobody had rehearsed. And so they didn't know how long they were going to talk. They just thought they'd get up in front of 600 people and ramble, which there ought to be there ought to be a sin. There ought to be a professional court where people go for oh, uh, professional sins like, OK, you'll, you'll be sentenced to to watch uh, some infomercial for three days because you made 600 people wait for two hours. But this person came up to me who had spoken before and said, you know, I, I don't think that was respectful. I think what you did was slam all the people who had come before. I said, well, I have two thoughts on that. One, no, I did not. I simply gave the audience what they wanted. And two, you deserve to be slammed. No offense, sir. You had 45 minutes and you took an hour and a half. It was rude. It doesn't matter who you are or how important you think you are. You were disrespectful to the presenters, to me, to everyone who was in charge of this thing, and to the audience. And the audience knew it. And you were not aware of what the audience was doing. You violated the first rule of speaking, which is all about the audience. And they were miserable and uncomfortable. And you didn't care because you weren't prepared. Now, this was somebody relatively senior, I take it, in the organization. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know okay. me. There I, you go. Making friends. EV, we'll, EVP, you know, of a, e, yeah, EVP of a billion-dollar company. There you and, go. And, and luckily, the CEO is my sponsor. So, Well, um, that's okay. That's good. Yeah, I know. God gave me fingers, and I see eyes, and I just think, I want to poke. I don't know. You know, just seems to go together. Yeah. <laughs> Given that I've been half blinded before i know exactly <laughs> okay so let's let's not ramble uh, okay, anyway. um, right sorry so yeah. so talking about being courteous to our audience is telling them who's going to follow it grounds them right it's it sends them a message that you know where you fit in their day their day exactly right? it says that you're aware that they will at some point be thinking about who's next and so just address it up front yeah, this is a, a, this comes from agenda management, um, and you know we might not know whether the host has done it or not done it, and so we're just going to be courteous and say I understand where I'm fitting in. Look, if we're in doubt about whether the house the host has done any of these housekeeping things, we cover them. It helps our audience fit in, and if they feel we're helping them early, remember this is happening in the first two minutes of our talk it's more likely we're going to be successful in our persuasion about our content. And look, there's nothing wrong with, by the way, with saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be followed by Mike. You're really going to enjoy it. He's got a great point about X. There's nothing wrong with selling the next person's presentation a little bit. It's just courteous, and it's it's a matter of professional uh, respect. I, it's a simple thing to do, and if you practice it, you'll be good at it. Good. There's several ways to handle this, and each presenter does it differently. And so you might as well tell your audience, how you're going to handle questions. Yeah. I, you know, it, this is a funny one. I think people think the jury's out and it's not. There is a right way to handle questions as they come up. When presenters ask the audience for questions to be held, shoot, I've seen it a hundred times. We see far fewer questions and lower value questions as well. There are people who ask questions at the end of an hour presentation simply to make the presenter feel okay about the fact the audience hasn't tuned them out. It sends a dangerous message. Well, it sends an accurate message though, Mark. You're right. 
when presenters ask that their questions be held until the very end of the presentation, they do see far fewer questions. But that's the whole point. They don't know the material well enough. They don't want to be interrupted. They just want to get through it. And when they say hold it to the very end, they're not thinking about the audience. They're thinking about them and their ability to get through their presentation. So you're right. right. It is accurate. It is accurate. It's wrong. It's ineffective, but it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Good, Good point. Yeah. And some presenters or hosts say, well, we have to guard against someone hijacking someone's presentation. Well, that's like building a prison for everyone in case one person misbehaves. And so we've got it. We, and by the way, that brings up the point. We got to have a podcast about how to handle people who try to hijack the presentation. Well, yeah. And again, that's yeah. that's the presenter's problem. That's not the audience problem. The presenter yeah, has exactly. to be able to prevent folks asking a question and hijacking the presentation. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, however you want to handle questions, when you are presenting, it's your audience. Do what you think is best. We've made our point. We hope that you ought to take them as they come along. And if you're not good enough with your content to, to take them when they come along, you're not rehearsed and prepared enough. Okay. But if you want questions held, say so up front. If you want questions and interruptions, say that and encourage it. Whichever approach you take, tell your audience, and they will generally help you be more effective in your presentation because you took the time to do this simple housekeeping step, which maybe the host did, maybe they didn't. But, you know, okay, one more time, we're going to say it. If you want our guidance, be good enough, be prepared enough, be rehearsed enough to be able to say, I'm happy to take questions whenever you have them. Raise your hand, shout at me, whatever works. I'll repeat your question so everybody can hear it. And then I'll answer it. And by the way, we have a podcast about how to, handle, how to answer questions in an audience, and it's very specific. Or how to handle questions in a presentation, it's very specific. Now, look, again, this means you have to know your stuff, but you oughtn't be presenting if you don't. So that's not our problem. So, you know, bottom line, if we're in doubt about whether the host has done any of the housekeeping items that we talk about, then our Let's Agree step uh, covers that for them. Right. Yeah. Look, there, there are some simple things we can do when we are one of many presenters in a long day for an audience. And that's really the key. Don't forget it. It's all about the audience. Everything we've recommended here today is about helping the audience get the most from our presentation, period. Good. All right. So quick wrap up. Well, take time to prepare without all the commentary as you're preparing your for your yeah, presentation. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> Assume the power position before you yep. start. Give yourself every chance of having some impact at the beginning of your presentation. Introduce your purpose. Provide a brief outline, briefly, but provide an outline. Give them some sense of where you're going. Give them that guiding star, so to speak. Right. And then lastly, use the let's agree step to make up for any lack of preparation, ground rules, etc. set at the beginning of the, the day. How long you're going to talk, who's going to follow your presentation, and lastly, how you're going to handle questions. And that's it. Great. Thanks, partner. All right, my friend. We'll see you. All right, everyone. That's it. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. So long.